The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. As we're coming to the book of John again, we're going to be in chapter 5. We're going to finish off John 5 this morning. We come again to a book where Jesus says at the end, these things were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that believing you might have life in his name. And that's why he came as the book of John opens and says that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and then that Word became flesh or moved into our neighborhood and became like us so that he could draw us to be in relationship with him. And so he's not a God who's distant. He's a God who came near so that he could draw us near to God, irregardless of our background, irregardless of your whether your family was a family of faith or not, or wealthy or rich, or you grew up in the country or the city, it doesn't matter because God came near so that in relationship with him we could draw near to him, whoever we are. And so we, we, we come again um, this morning as we come to John chapter 5, and to me it, it resonates in my mind just um, as I'm thinking about the things I just shared, how how so often these things, they just shut us down and we think, man, what can we do in such a screwed up world? <laughs> I mean, what can I say? I mean, and, and so it, it, it just shuts us up. And, and the scripture we're looking at this, today is so great because our confidence and authority isn't, doesn't, isn't coming from how things are around us or how we are inside, but it comes from how close we walk with Jesus. Our authority and our confidence comes from a growing intimacy with him. And, and so I, I pray that as we look at Jesus today, that it'll help us to look at ourselves and God, help me to draw closer to you so that I can confidently and boldly represent you in a world that needs us. It needs Jesus. Uh, So John chapter 5, but just before we start looking at it, I want to ask a couple of questions to um, just give some parental advice, okay? Um, this is for, you know, Curtis and Tiffany, about ready to have a baby. <laughs> um, so just to get us thinking, what happens when little Johnny runs to mom and asks to go outside and play and she says no what is going to happen what do you think Johnny's going to do that's exactly what Johnny's going to do unless if you didn't hear that Johnny's going to go ask dad because he knows that dad's a softy right unless dad and mom are on the same page right and then Johnny won't be able to do that. Now, same thing. What happens when little Mary gets in trouble with dad? Well, she's going to run crying to mom and say, <laughs> and, and mom's going to, oh, I know, dad's, he's not very nice. <laughs> oh, don't do that. <laughs> I do want to counsel you if you'd say that, no? 
Yeah. No, mom or dad, both are going to say, they're going to say, what did dad say? What did mom say? And in unity, there's going to be parental authority. Otherwise, it's the divide and conquer thing, right? You know, the same thing happens with God. The same thing. How many of you have heard the God of the Old Testament? Ah, he's an angry God, right? But, but Jesus, he's a nice guy, right? Or, you know, the Old Testament is so full of rules and regulations and laws, but, but the New Testament is just so full of love. The, um, and so what we end up with is like Jesus is my favorite, right? Is Jesus your favorite? <laughs> kind of scary knowing how to answer that, isn't it? Well, it's the card the religious leaders are going to play. As we, we turn to John chapter 5 and we see the setting they do it over and over again with Jesus where they put a cross to the people that, you know, they're tight with God, right? I mean, they're the religious leaders. They're the priests. They're the Levites. They're the scribes. They're tight with God. But at the same time where they claim to be tight with God, they're out to kill Jesus. (laughs) They're hating on and killing Jesus. And so in this passage, what we're going to see is that Jesus' authority, he's going to make it so clear that his authority came from his intimacy with the Father. And if we get what Jesus is saying here, we're going to get clearly what, what can give us confidence and authority is that as we are intimate with the Father, as we're intimate with Jesus, then we have that same authority. Look at the setting here. It says, Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath, and these things, looks back at verses 1 to 15, these things meaning he healed an invalid, right? And because he was healing an invalid on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him because healing is really bad, right? And you people, healing's good, okay? Just, okay. Um, But because he was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders are hating on him and they're wanting to kill him because this divide and conquer thing is because they're saying, well, God, in the Old Testament, he made this rule that there was this Sabbath and the Sabbath was to be a day of rest. And so the religious leaders, in order to control the people, made all kinds of rules around the Sabbath what people could and couldn't do. And one of the things they couldn't do was carry their bed. And the guy, when he's healed, he's carrying his bed. And and so Jesus is breaking the Sabbath in opposition to God. And that's what they're claiming. Verse 7, in his defense, Jesus said something. This is probably the key phrase in the whole passage my father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working and what Jesus is simply saying is my father what is 
my father is working and that's my work. It's the same work. We're in this together. And for this reason, they tried all the more to kill him, not only because he was breaking the Sabbath, he was breaking the rules by healing, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And he's saying that we're one. Now, as we go into verses 19 and following, and I'm going to try and do a better job of summarizing this than I did in the first gathering, because there's a lot of verses here going to try and summarize Jesus's reasoning for why um, he was doing what he was doing with such confidence and authority. In 19 to 30, we're going to see that Jesus's actions demonstrate his intimacy with the Father and why he acted with such authority, okay? So his actions we're done with such authority because of his intimacy with Father. And then in verses 31 to 47, we're going to see that his approval came from the Father. And the Father only, it didn't come from others. It didn't come from within himself. It came from the Father. And that's what enabled him to live with such authority. So it's his relationship with the Father that causes him to act with such confidence and authority. As we look at verse 19, Jesus gave them this answer. And this is the first. He says, Truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. The first proof is the works that Jesus does. And look at it. It says, whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus does nothing except what the Father is doing. And that's what gives him his authority. Okay? Jesus says, I only do what the Father is doing. Question. If we only did what we see Jesus doing in the scripture, what would that give us? Confidence, right? (laughs) If, If we lived our lives seeking to imitate Jesus's life, that would give us incredible confidence and authority in our own lives. Number two, verse 21. Just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. And we go to verse 24. Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him, you see the the unity there? Whoever hears the word Jesus is speaking and believes the Father who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. The Father has granted the Son to have life in himself. Jesus' giving of life is because of his intimacy with the Father who is the giver of life. Question, what kind of confidence 
and authority would we live with if we believed the promises that Jesus gave us in his word? And if we lived those out, the life-giving promises that I'll never leave you or forsake you, you know, you'll never lack. I mean, he'll provide all of our needs according to his riches and glory. If we believe those life-giving promises, the confidence that would give us and the authority that would give us in our lives. Number three. So the first is Jesus's works. Second is life, that he's a giver of life. And number three is judgment. Um, Verse 22 Emily's getting her workout this morning. Verse 22. The father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son. Is that kind of a surprising verse? Because often, what do we do? We say, ooh, the God of the Old Testament, he's the, he's the one that is judging and condemning, and Jesus is the one that's loving and saving. This is, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. And verse 27. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man, meaning the Father has given Jesus authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. The Father has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Question, if we really believed this, that Jesus is the judge, just imagine in Romans 8 it says that he who delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? I mean, if Jesus is the judge and and he was delivered up for us all, how will God not also give us everything? Because the judge is our savior. The one who condemns is the one who redeems. And if we got that, what an incredible confidence and authority that would give us. In the last one, verse 23 And the whole point of this, it says, is that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And boy, I tell you, this just, this was like right in the face of the religious leaders who are trying to divide Jesus, the Son and the Father, and say, and Jesus says that if you claim to honor the Father, but you don't honor me, It doesn't work that way. If you don't honor me, you don't honor the Father. That's the intimacy of Jesus knowing that is what caused him to live with such incredible authority. Question, if we knew that that the way we lived our lives was to honor God, consciously to honor God, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, that it's done to the glory of God. It's done to please Him. What kind of confidence would that give us in living our lives in the same way that Jesus had confidence knowing that everything He did was to honor the Father?
And then his approval. You know, so often the reason we struggle with confidence is because we're looking for approval from others, right? (laughs) And uh, people are praising us and we're feeling pretty good and confident and people criticize us and we feel crushed. Uh, Jesus' approval is so important. I mean, as we come to the end of Jesus' life and they're hailing the, the song Hosanna, we sang and they're singing Hosanna, Hosanna. And then what happens a few days later? It's crucify him, crucify him. In verse 31, Jesus says, if I testify about myself, my testimony, and we can put the word approval, is not true. It, you know, bragging on ourselves, I, it's one of the things that probably irritates me more than anything else is somebody that's bragging on themselves. <laughs> Jesus says, if, if, if I brag on myself, my testimony, my appro- it's not true. There's another who testifies in my favor and I know that his testimony about me is true. He said, you sent to John and he's testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. So where did Jesus' approval come from? Number one, he says, I have testimony weightier than that of John for the works that the Father has given me to finish the very works that I am doing testify that the Father has sent me. So Jesus' approval came from knowing that he was doing what the Father gave him to do. Question. If the very things that we're doing, we know we're doing because it's what God wants us to do, it's what Jesus would be doing, uh, what kind of confidence and authority would, would that give us? Number two, verse 37, and the father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. Do you remember the first time when the father testified or he gave his approval of the son? It was when Jesus came out of the, he submitted himself to John's baptism. He hadn't done anything yet. His ministry hadn't begun. He hadn't healed anybody. He hadn't given any great speeches and he comes out of the water and the father says now get to work right no <laughs> the father said this is my son whom I dearly love I delight in him he hadn't done anything yet he was just his son and the authority and the confidence that gave Jesus what incredible confidence and authority that would give us representing Jesus in our world if our approval simply came from knowing who we are, that we're his child, and that he loves us, that he delights in us, not because we did right this week, but because we're his child. The confidence and authority to live for him, if we really got that our approval needs to come just from him and who we are in him, and not what people are saying about us or whether we are successful or, or failure. Verse 39, Jesus says, You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. And so it was the scriptures 
that gave Jesus confidence and authority because he knew that the scriptures approved him and they prophesied and promised that he was the coming Messiah. Hundreds of those promises. And so Jesus lived with confidence because he knew who he was and the scriptures testified to that. Um, You know, the scriptures testify to some incredible things about us, right? About who we are about what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf and and what he's made us to be, Uh, just think of the confidence and authority to live in this world that is so broken and so full of injustice if we lived in light of what the scriptures say about us and if we live in obedience to what those scriptures say. Um, Jesus said these are the very scriptures that testify me testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And then next section, Jesus says again, I don't accept glory from human beings. My approval doesn't come from people. I know you. I know that you don't have the love of God in your hearts. Verse 43, he says, I have come in my father's name and you do not accept me. And that's the the fourth thing we see in this passage of where Jesus' approval comes from, his confidence and authority. It's because he came in his Father's name. Um, Most of us, when we pray, we pray, like, for example, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, in Jesus' name, amen, right? That's how you pray for food. But in Jesus' name, amen, what does that mean? I mean, so often I think for us, we say in Jesus' name, amen, and it's just this thing we tack on the end. What does it mean? that Jesus came in his Father's name and we pray in Jesus' name. It's like a power of attorney to where if I'm my mom, she's going to be 91 this year and probably not too long before, in in a couple instances, I have power of attorney for her. And what that means is that if I sign my name on a document with the power of attorney, it's like I'm signing what she would sign. It's not me just doing whatever I want, but it's me acting in her name as I think she would act. Jesus said, I came not to do my will, but the will of the Father who sent me. I have come in my Father's name, and as he came not to do his will, but the will of the Father who sent me, and as as we live our lives wanting what he wants and doing what we think he would do and saying what we think he would say, what an incredible confidence and authority to live in a world that needs confident and bold voices speaking justice and mercy with humility. Um, Jesus is making it so clear to the religious leaders that his, it was his intimacy with the Father that led to his authority. It wasn't blasphemy that he was calling God his father, but it was an expression of the true, real intimacy that he had with the father. And that's what gave him his authority. And that same authority and confidence can be ours. One of the things I think so often we we make Jesus, I mean, Jesus was God himself, God himself who became flesh. But when he became flesh, he came and he humbled himself. 
And he identified with us. So in living in dependence and upon the Holy Spirit and intimacy with the Father, he could show us how we can too live with confidence and authority. Jesus is, it wasn't a wow, like I could never be like that. But it was showing us how by his life we also could live if we live in intimacy with the Father. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, just before Jesus returned to heaven, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And how? Because surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's that understanding that that availability of intimacy with Jesus is what accesses that all authority in heaven and on earth. Man, our world needs it. Our world is in shambles and, and it doesn't need to shut us up or, 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 or make us afraid or, or anxious like what can we do and what can we say and man, and but with a boldness and authority, we can represent God as we walk with him. As we do what he does, as we say what he would say, as we be how he would be, as we spend time in his word. One more scripture. John seventeen twenty through 23. This is great. Jesus said, my prayer is not for them alone, meaning his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And ultimately that ends up to be us. That all of them may be one father, just as you are in me and I am in you. That we can have that same intimacy that was between the father and the son. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity, the Father, the Son, and us. And then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Us, a a people with confidence and authority to represent the God that we're intimately in relationship with. Let's pray. God, thank you for just that amazing truth that that same intimacy, Father, between you and Jesus, that that same intimacy can be ours with you so that we don't have to be people who are fearful or hiding our faith or people who live confidently and boldly, Father, for you in this world that so desperately needs Jesus. Amen.